I'm Joy Schwartz. And I'm Natalie Siston. We are The The Collective Collective Voice. We are two college friends who will talk about issues that impact professionals at work and in life. Welcome to Episode 7 of The Collective Voice. This is Natalie Siston. And this is Joy Schwartz. Today's topic is mentoring. This is extremely important no matter what stage you are in your career or your education. Identifying, connecting with, and leveraging key people in our network is critical to long-term success. I recently had the opportunity to deliver a keynote at an event for the Fisher College of Business at Ohio State, which is Joy and my shared alma mater. The theme was important people you need to succeed in your life and career. I specifically talked about mentors, sponsors, coaches, and best friends at work. Today, Joy and I are going to focus specifically on mentoring. To paraphrase Sylvia Ann Hewlett, an author we've cited in previous podcasts, mentors act as a sounding board or a source of counsel, offering advice as needed and support and guidance as requested. I shorten this to my own definition, which is trusted counselor or guide. Joy and I will talk about two different perspectives when it comes to mentoring, and both are important depending on where you are in your career. I'll provide insight into mentorship in a general sense, and Joy will discuss how to approach mentoring as a way to address specific development areas or specific types of people to add to your mentoring network. Thanks for the introduction, Natalie, and getting us started. As you mentioned, this topic is very timely, given your speaking engagement and my recent job transition. More on that later. For now, I'm excited to share with our listeners how to identify, establish, and nurture relationships in a mentoring context. We'll define and provide examples from our own experiences about individuals who have shaped our careers, and we'll also address the foundational concept of sourcing these individuals from our respective networks. Absolutely, which ties really well into one earlier podcast on networking. Joy, the reason I was excited to speak to the group of graduate students at Ohio State and now to deliver this uh, concept to our listeners is that this is the generation of students who have only known a world of smartphones, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And despite these wonderful ways to connect, and I'm using air quotes since you can't see me, personal relationships are still the number one way to get ahead in your career, whether it be for success in your current role or as you seek out your next job. ABC News cites 80% of jobs are found through networking, and U.S. News comes in only a bit lower at about 70%. Yeah, so those are some pretty impressive statistics and certainly speak to the importance of the topic we're about to cover. To think about it in terms of the, the word itself, mentoring is a word that is thrown around a lot. For those of us who work in the corporate sector, We've probably been told at review times, at one point in time or another in our careers, that a great development opportunity is to find a mentor. And for those of us who manage people, uh, we've probably even had it suggested to us or suggested to others that getting a mentor is a way for team members to get ahead in their role. I actually have a philosophy on mentoring that I'll come back to later in this episode. But for now, let me go ahead and turn things over to Natalie. I think this makes it sound too easy, Joy. Make a recommendation to get a mentor, you check this box, and then you're on your way toward a rewarding career. But that's where I say let's stop and reassess. 
So in a previous podcast, we mentioned that I lead the women's resource group at my company. And prior to leading the entire group, I was specifically focused on leading our mentoring efforts. I received about one email per week during that time that read something like this. Hi, Natalie. I heard you're in charge of the mentoring program for the women's group. I'm interested in being matched with my mentor. I would sit at my desk and I would shake my head going, no, that's not how finding a mentor works. So instead, what I focused on was providing a forum for our members to get exposure to people who they could connect with and potentially lead toward a mentoring relationship. Yeah, Natalie, that kind of, oh, no, head-holding moment is one I've experienced myself. And providing a forum where mentors can be identified is a great place to start, whether the forum is provided for you or you actually create it for yourself. In my own experience, formal mentoring hasn't really been a great fit. And if I think back to a specific experience a few companies ago, I was actually assigned a mentor who I thought would be fantastic. He had spent many years in the organization, and I thought he would be able to give me a more honest and transparent view of the organization and and some of the, the political nuances I needed to navigate in order to be successful. And sadly, given his current role, which was one in a high visibility position, and to some extent his own personality, I actually received very surface level advice and guidance. And quite honestly, after a year in this formal mentoring program, I felt like I hadn't made much progress in navigating through that organizational complexity. And while at the time it was frustrating, I did feel like it was a great learning opportunity for me that reinforced the importance of seeking out future mentors and networking contacts who would be able to offer me a perspective built on trust and candor. So in thinking back on my own experience and some of ours, in order to get ahead of some of these pitfalls with regard to formal mentoring programs, Natalie has actually developed a really great seven-step mentoring approach. So we'd like to spend some time walking you, our audience, through that tool. Natalie, can you kick us off there? The seven-step process is a great place to start, Joy. I know I'm much more successful when I can break down complex ideas into achievable and specific actions, which is exactly why I created this framework. I even have a document on my website that I hope everyone in our audience downloads. That way you don't have to take copious notes while you're listening to this podcast. You can find that at my website, which is smalltownleadership.com backslash mentoring framework. And we'll be sure to put that link in our show notes. Joy, why don't you start us off by walking through the first two steps of this framework? Absolutely. The first step is to answer the question, why? Why do you want to mentor? Be specific. Think about whether it's to expand your network, to gain business acumen, or to get advice on work or life issues. Then we move on to number two. Once you've identified the why, move on to this second step, which is who. Who would be an ideal mentor for you? You can brainstorm ideas with your manager, a career coach, or a friend. Select someone who knows you well. Utilize your LinkedIn network to find people beyond your current network. And consider asking someone you trust to facilitate that introduction for you. It can be a daunting process to reach out to a senior leader or someone you don't know on your own. In the organizations where I've worked, it tends to yield better outcomes when someone else actually facilitates that introduction. And that's worked well for me. You also want to make sure you're being really clear about what you want from this person and to be ready to communicate that with clarity. For example, do you want this person to be an overall mentor, 
a sounding board to address your career concerns and offer his or her own advice or wisdom based on their experiences? Or are you looking for guidance, coaching, or observational learning opportunities to close one of your development gaps based on one or more of their strengths or capabilities? So engaging in some of that self-exploration on your own before seeking out someone else to be your mentor can be really valuable. So Natalie, why don't you take us through the next few steps? Absolutely. Before I do that, I do want to reiterate that the why and the who are crucial at this point. And Joy is going to talk a little later about the importance of understanding what you want to get out of a mentoring relationship because it is that important. So please don't neglect these two steps. But now moving on to the third step, which is introductions. What you want to do now that you've thought about the who and you've reached out to your network to get ideas of names is to narrow this list down to two or maybe three potential candidates and set up introductory meetings. I would recommend live meetings if it's possible or phone calls with these two to three people. And this is actually the trickiest part of mentoring. Just because you're reaching out, don't walk into that meeting assuming it's necessarily going to be a match. We'll get to that a little bit later. Once you've got the introduction meeting set up, you've got a meeting on the books, you want to move on to step four, which is your pre-meeting homework. It's really important to research who you are meeting with, regardless of what you've been told by the person who may have connected you. Definitely do your own homework and look at their LinkedIn profile. Check out a company org chart if that's something that's available to you. And come up with a list of questions that you want to learn, what you want to learn from them. I've actually created a discussion guide in addition to the framework because I think you can get caught up in small talk often in these introductory meetings. And I think it's important to get beyond the small talk and really figure out if this is going to be a match for you. So feel free to go to the same URL and download the discussion guide, which will guide you through this discussion. So finally, you're ready for step five, which is to meet with potential mentors. So let's assume you've downloaded the mentoring discussion guide. Get right to it. Get to some meat. Talk about some really key things that will help you understand if this person can help you in your current career or in a stage of you getting to your next step. So Joy, now that they've met their mentor, can you walk us through the next steps, which are about follow-up and nurturing the relationship? Absolutely. So meeting follow-up is the next step, and arguably one of the most important, as you mentioned, Natalie. You want to confirm that, that you do want to continue the mentoring relationship. If it wasn't a match, you can thank your contact for their time and let him or her know that you'll be in touch with updates on your progress, but that a formalized mentoring relationship probably isn't right for you at this time. And be prepared to answer if this contact asks you why. And some possible responses may include, I believe I need to learn from a specific set of experiences or develop in a certain area that this person may not possess. You may be, this person may be too senior for where you are today, but you could see that reconnecting in a few years if this networking contact would be open to it. Or you could respond with something like, I probably only have the bandwidth to meet with one mentor right now, and I think another person I recently connected with might be a better fit. So those are just some potential ways that you could respond if you assess the situation and realize this person may not be the best fit for you in a mentoring context. 
And then, as Natalie mentioned, we have one last final step, which is nurture and follow through. Create a mentoring plan and set expectations with your mentor. Determine the goals of the mentoring relationship, how often you'll meet, what you'll work on in between meetings, and how long you want the formal relationship to last. Honor your commitments and make sure that you make the most of that new relationship. I recently served as a mentor as part of a formal mentoring program with my previous employer. My mentee and I developed a charter specifying this criteria, along with a set of ground rules regarding how we would conduct ourselves before, during, and after our mentoring meetings, which were mostly virtual. She was in another location. And this included coming up with a short agenda or topics of interest, which certainly isn't a requirement, but helpful. It was certainly helpful to us in the time-starved positions we were in. Also minimizing distractions, not canceling within 24 hours of scheduled mentoring meetings, and engaging in a regular review of the mentee's development plan. So those were some things that I know that my mentee and I did to try to keep our mentoring relationship on track. Natalie, I know you had an experience as a mentor where this step was neglected or perhaps omitted. Can you tell me and our listeners a little bit more about that? Absolutely. I was paired with a mentee as part of a program, and we had a great introductory meeting. I treated her to lunch, and she brought a great portfolio with her resume, a list of very detailed questions of things that she wanted to get out of the relationship. I had very high hopes that this was going to turn into a person that we would meet, I would meet consistently with and be able to offer some generally good advice. And uh, we had this meeting, and I never heard back. I never received a thank you for buying me lunch, a thanks for the discussion. Joy, I think what I much rather would have liked was some of the reasons you gave of why that mentoring relationship might not have been a fit for her. Um, you uh. almost gave us some great line, you know, liners of how to break up with the mentor but I just I just got nothing I guess is that what they call ghosting these days but it it was really bizarre for me that I simply never heard back and it took me reaching out to the people who had connected us for the mentoring relationship because after a while I got concerned I was genuinely concerned that maybe something had gone wrong and you know that she was not doing well or something but it just turned out that it wasn't a top priority for her to follow up through this mentoring relationship. How does that book go or the movie? She's just not that into you? Exactly. She just wasn't that into me. And I rather would have heard that versus sitting around wondering why I hadn't heard back. So Joy, I think that I might be biased because I'm an author, but I think the framework sounds pretty awesome. So follow these seven steps and you are off to a successful mentoring journey. Well, fortunately, I know you don't have that much ego, so we'll let that comment go. But the, I guess the reality is, you know, one of the things I miss about business school is that any situation or problem we had, we could fit into, fit nicely into a model or a framework. And so the reality is it's not as rosy of a picture as maybe we've presented. It's not as simple as this seven-step process. So maybe we should paint a more realistic picture for our audience. Yes, Joy, you're probably right. So I think how I would compare how this typically goes is like dating, So based on a 2015 Google consumer survey, it reported that less than 15% of people end up marrying someone they met through an online dating site, which would I compare to a forced match mentoring relationship. 
the majority of people end up marrying friends of friends, coworkers, or those they meet in random social settings. So I think how I would liken this to mentoring is to let our audience think about being open to the idea that they might meet someone at a networking event or at a family get-together, perhaps even a kid's birthday party. There might be someone in those situations who is a, is a mentoring-in-the-moment candidate, and it's our audience's opportunity to step into those opportunities if, if they want. I actually had this happen to me a couple months ago. It was pretty profound. I got invited to attend a Galentine's Day brunch, so a mm-hmm. girls-only Valentine's Day celebration. And uh, I was sitting next to a woman who works at the same company that I work at, but we had never met one another face-to-face. So it was that moment of, oh, you're so-and-so. Oh, you're so-and-so. Gosh, it's nice that we finally meet. So all during brunch, we talked about ourselves and our roles and what we do, our lives. And at the end, just had a great conversation. And I thought to myself, gosh, I should probably follow up with this person. And I didn't. Well, fast forward two meetings later, I'm meeting with someone in a different area of the company and this person's name comes up. And I said, oh, I just met her for the first time at a Galentine's Day brunch. And the same exact thing happened two weeks later with from another person. So after she was mentioned to me in two different contexts, I decided I should probably reach out to this woman that I met at the Galentine's Day brunch and have a more formalized meeting. So we ended up having a formal meeting, talked about my development plan, and we're turning this into a potential mentoring relationship, all by going to this Galentine's Day brunch and and taking it from there. So that turned into be a spontaneous connection that might turn into a great mentoring relationship. That's awesome, Natalie. And what a great example of mentoring in the moment, even if it took you a few hits to actually get there, right? So maybe exactly. you were, I don't know which one of you it would be sitting and waiting by the phone in the, you know, she's just not that into you analogy, but I think you eventually got to the right place and, and picked up the phone and called her, right? That's right. That's right. Regardless of how we got there, we are going to be continuing to meet. Absolutely. So when I think about your anecdote and some of my own experiences with with mentoring, I've actually not had as much success with formal mentoring programs early in my career And I think some of that stemmed from just having more success with those mentoring in the moment experiences, but also as a result of not assessing the current state of my network and intentionally seeking out people who could help me in some very specific ways, whether it was based on my personal or professional goals or maybe my own development areas. And so I think this is a good opportunity for us to take a few steps backward, actually, and address some foundational concepts as it relates to our own our own networks, and places where we might source a mentor. At this point, I'd really like to reference an HBR article I read, and I think it was a couple years ago. I actually wrote a blog entry about it, and it encapsulates what I was saying earlier, that there are some of those foundational steps that are useful when embarking on a mentoring relationship. And I think categorizing our network or our contacts is one of those foundational steps. So the article I'm referencing is called The Three Networks You Need, written by Linda Hill and Kent Lineback. And you can download it from the HBR website. It's, it's out there in the public domain. And in, so basically what it states, and, and in short, I'm paraphrasing, the three networks are, first, your operational network. These are the people you need and the people, the people you need to collaborate with to get your work done day to day. It's probably not the best source for a potential mentor, but still 
important to segment people into this category. So for me, in my role as an organizational development manager, this includes my peers, as well as partners I serve in the businesses and functions I support. Additionally, it could include my manager, it could include others in my immediate network of contacts at work. But essentially, your operational network is really the people you need to get your work done and those you collaborate with day to day. The second network, developmental. According to Lineback and Hill, your developmental network includes the people whose sympathetic ear you can rely on and, and also seek out advice from, depending on their own experiences. It's also a place to you can go to discuss or explore professional options. So these are the people who help you grow as a manager, as a leader, or just as an employee in your organization. And it's an ideal source for mentor candidates. So even though we often come across these individuals by chance or happenstance, they can still be really good sources for mentors. So one example for me is actually, or actually occurred when I was returning from maternity leave at my most recent employer. I knew that I would need some additional support and guidance coming to work, coming back to work after maternity leave. And I intentionally sought out a successful working mom. In fact, it was perfect timing because I knew that one of my colleagues had been reporting to this woman, this, this mom mentor, and she was about to transition into a new role. And so I asked this mom mentor if she would be willing to let me take the one-on-one slots that had previously been inhabited by this direct report of hers so that I could connect with her regularly and seek her input and guidance and advice on this transition back to work. And she unquestionably accepted my request. And so we continued to meet for months after I transitioned back to work. And hearing her experiences and, and having that sounding board and that the positive reinforcement I got from her and that I was doing a lot of the right things was really important for me at an important time in my life. So I was very grateful to have her as part of my developmental network. And she certainly wasn't someone that I connected with day to day. And then the, the third network is, is the strategic network. And this one's all about the future. It's about identifying and establishing relationships like these with intention, both in your selection and your nurturing of those relationships. And you know these are the kind of people who prepare you to do two things, according to Hill and Lineback. One is to define what the future will bring, and second, to prepare for and succeed in that future. So that sounds kind of nebulous without a lot of context behind it. And, and it can be a tall order because these people may actually be tangential to your current role or function, and they're likely not even in your organization. But the good news is that these contexts may not need to fit into the mentor category, and that connecting with them once a quarter or twice a year may be enough. So you may be asking yourself, okay, so who, what's an example of, of someone in my strategic network? So for me, that actually includes former MBA professors who perform research on subject matter relevant to my work, or thought leaders at consulting firms who have exposure to organizational trends beyond my own company or beyond my own industry. So those are actually people who give me a broader perspective and can help me think about my long-term career in a more strategic way. And it could be a source of mentors, but... For me, it's more about a strategic contact in my network, and these are people I reach out to periodically. So while your operational and strategic networks may not be the best source for a formal mentor, you might actually find value in first segmenting your existing network to identify mentor candidates from within or outside your existing developmental network or your network more generally. 
And then the other point I've, I've alluded to and Natalie mentioned in step one of her framework was actually knowing why you need a mentor. And here's where some of our perspectives may differ a bit. Sometimes having a formal mentor isn't always the answer. And in an earlier podcast, one of our guests, Nihar Chaya, a coach with partner exec, discussed the importance of knowing yourself. And that includes the strengths and development areas of your, your own strengths and development areas, knowing what your organization expects of you, and seeking ways to minimize the gap between the two. So once you're clear on those gaps, and hopefully there aren't too many, it's unlikely that you'll just identify one single mentor who can help you address them all. You know, in an ideal scenario, you may have several people helping you to minimize those gaps. It could be your manager, your peers as accountability partners, or others through coaching, observational learning, or even one-on-one -on -one training. So now here's where mentoring can come back in. If a mentor is serving as a source of advice or a sympathetic ear, to use some terminology from the article we mentioned earlier, then he or she can help you to aggregate all of your development efforts and really serve as a sounding board or source of feedback with regard to your progress. So in that way, it all kind of fits back together. And knowing what you want to get out of a mentoring relationship is critical to ensuring its success. I'd actually argue that knowing what you want is, is important regardless of whether this individual is part of your operational, developmental, or strategic network, or whether he or she is a formal mentor as part of a structured program or someone you identified organically. That was a mouthful, but hopefully some really good input in kind of connecting these two, two parts of, of what we wanted to share with you today. Natalie, it would be great to close by discussing a mentoring example of your own that resulted in a positive outcome. I'm sure you have one. Do share with us. Absolutely. So as much as I had a bad experience through the formal mentoring program I mentioned earlier, the following year I had a very positive experience. Perhaps it was because the organizers of that program reached out to me with kid gloves, knowing that I didn't have a positive experience the year before. But regardless of the situation that led to it, the mentee I worked with that following year was fantastic. She came ready to soak up any knowledge I had to give to her. I recommended she read a couple of books, which she did, and that led to some great discussion topics for us. And she came to me with really great questions that I was in a great position to answer. Uh, she was an MBA candidate who was considering where she was going to work full-time once she graduated and was debating some offers. And because I'd gone through that similar process, she was able to bring me her offer letters. And I was able to talk with her about the pros and cons. We talked about negotiation strategy. And ultimately, she she thanked me for helping her identify a great company that she is now going to be working for starting next month. And the, the nice thing, an even better anecdote, is after I delivered that keynote at Fisher College of Business a couple of months ago, I called her out in the audience, even though she wasn't there, just to thank her for being a great mentee. And through the grapevine of her classmates who were there, she sent me a text that very night saying, thank you so much for mentoring me. Thank you so much for mentioning me tonight. It's been great. And here's a quick update on what's going on in my life. And I hope that we'll just be able to continue being in touch and being a part of one another's network, which is what all this is about. And I know now she will pay that forward and she will remember our experience and be a great mentor to others as she succeeds in her career. So yes, we're ending on that Pollyanna note. Why don't you go ahead and do a quick recap of 
our topics from today, Joy. Absolutely. And before I do that, I'm glad that you did close with something a little more warm and fuzzy, because I think part of the reason why you and I started this podcast and part of the reason why we're friends and we enjoy connecting so regularly is because we both have a strong value of altruism and feel compelled to give back to others. And that's one of the benefits of being a mentor and being mentored by others. And so I'm glad you did close us in, in that way. So I think a little bit of warm and fuzzy on the, the exit is a good thing. With that, let me go ahead and recap. I'll do so in a bit of reverse order. Most recently, we talked about taking some foundational steps to segment and categorize your network, those three networks that you need. And that can be, again, a good foundational step before seeking out identifying a mentor through a formal program or perhaps more organically through mentoring moments, mentoring in the moment opportunities. And so those three networks are your operational network, the people you need to accomplish your day-to-day job, your developmental network, the place where you're likely to source a mentor, the people who can help you think through the next steps in your career and how to be more successful even where you are. And then your strategic network, those people who can help you keep a pulse on the future of your function or your industry. And then before that, we addressed seven steps to build a strong mentoring relationship. Natalie introduced those, and they'll be available on her website as well. Those seven steps are why, who, the introductions, pre-meeting homework, meeting with potential mentors, meeting follow-up, and nurturing and following through. Don't forget to download the mentoring framework documents Natalie created from her site. Natalie, why don't you close and remind our listeners where to find this information and direct them to our respective web pages. Well, first of all, thank you all for listening to another episode of The Collective Voice. We would love to begin collecting some ratings on iTunes, so feel free to go over and leave us a review. And just as a reminder where you can find Joy and I, Joy can be found at joyschwartz.com. That's J-O-Y-S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z.com. And I can be found at smalltownleadership.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us and be sure to check out future podcasts of The Collective Voice on iTunes. This is Joy Schwartz and Natalie Siston with The Collective Collective Voice. Voice.